You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Happy Friday, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, here where I am, it is a lovely Friday. I hope it's a lovely Friday where you are, or Saturday, whatever day you're listening. I hope it's all good for you, and I hope things are all good for your fantasy teams. Uh, this is the final push. This is the last, uh, well, the last Friday show before a weekend where you can actually make some some moves for your weekly league. So, um, I mean, I'll... I'll uh, keep helping uh, those of you who are in uh, daily lineup leagues next week. Uh, but this is it the, for the for those of us in weekly leagues. This is the big show. <laughs> so uh, and there is a lot to get to. There is an interesting assortment of two star pitchers to consider. I talked about some of them on Wednesday's show, in particular, some that were impacted by uh, either a seven game schedule this coming week or by uh, teams. Uh, possibly heading towards postseason and how uh, the, the rearranging of rotations there might affect them. But I'm going to take a much more global look uh, on this show today uh, at two-star pitchers. Um, I am going to take a look at some of the uh, big performances from Thursday's games. And uh, yeah, I've been going a little bit lighter on those lately, but there were quite a few um, that I, I wanted to dig into for uh, today's show. So talk, I'll be talking about those a little bit more. Got a couple of Twitter questions, but I'll be taking those again on Monday because at least as of right now, it's going to be uh, a 7 o'clock Eastern first pitch for Monday. So uh, this podcast should be out in plenty of time to address your what will literally be your last-minute questions uh, coming uh, coming up on Monday for that show. So, uh, you know, keep those in mind. Uh, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Al Melchior BB uh, over the weekend if you want, or uh, just wait for me to solicit the questions uh, next Monday. But anyways, we do have a lot of news and actually something that broke uh, just moments uh, before uh, starting this uh, this podcast. The Rangers, uh, as has been expected for a day or two now, they have made a change at manager. Jeff Bannister is out after nearly four years. Uh, and in as the interim manager for, uh, you know, just this little more than a, a week that's left of this season is uh, Don Wakamatsu. So uh, I have to admit, when I, uh, you know, first saw the, the rumors, uh, the early reports that Bannister might be fired, and I, it surprised me that he's already been there for four years, I guess. Uh, time, time goes fast, uh, but the last two years have not been particularly kind uh, to Jeff Bannister, uh, Rangers 67 and 85 so far this season. Uh, last year, 79 and 83. So team going in the wrong direction. And and again, not necessarily because of Bannister. Uh, so uh, from reporting, this is more a question of uh, who they want at the helm, given the rebuilding direction that, that the team is now clearly uh, embarking on. Uh, but the team was not really set up to contend this year. So... Uh, in any event, Jeff Bannister out as uh, the Rangers manager. Um, and uh, the, the Red Sox on Thursday night, they clinched the American League East. Not a whole lot of, uh, you know, drama there, but uh, uh, they they have uh, clinched it. Uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion for a while. And uh, from a more fantasy-centric perspective, Mookie Betts uh, breaking out in that one, uh, going four for five with a big uh, home run in that one. So, uh just in time to help uh, those of us who are starting him in uh, starting him in playoffs 
Uh, good to see uh, for Mookie Betts, and uh, congratulations to the Boston Red Sox. In uh, other Red Sox news, this is from MassLive.com. Nate Evaldi is the scheduled starter for Monday. However, pertinent to the later discussion I'm going to have here about two-star pitchers, he does not look to be a two-star pitcher next week. There's going to be a piggyback game on Friday. So Avaldi will start against the Orioles, uh, but then the opener for the final series of the season against the Yankees uh, at Fenway Park. Uh, Porcello is going to start that one, and then Avaldi will, will piggyback off of him. So probably not a great week to start either Porcello or Avaldi, uh, I would think, unless you are really hyped about him getting that start against the Orioles. I think it's not quite worth it. But anyway, so for that reason, I'll be leaving him out of my discussion of two-star pitchers. And uh, also looking ahead to next week, not fantastic news for Jose Abreu. The very good news is that he was released uh, from the hospital on Wednesday. He was admitted on Monday with the uh, infection in his thigh that, that stemmed from a uh, an ingrown hair. Uh, but he, there's no timetable for him to return to the White Sox lineup. Uh, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, they're just going to let uh, Abreu take his time and recover from the infection. So, uh, you know, potentially maybe he's back this weekend, but I wouldn't count on it. And, you know, if, if uh, you don't see him uh, playing this weekend, I think you got to start to worry about maybe Abreu as an option uh, for next week. And one of the Twitter questions uh, that I got that I'm going to answer a little bit later on the show actually relates very much to this situation. So I'll be uh, revisiting that. And uh, Cubs and White Sox actually uh, playing uh, Friday afternoon. And uh, so we do have a Cubs lineup out. Let's see. I don't think we have uh, a White Sox lineup yet. We do not, which is very unusual because the White Sox are always early with with their lineup. But notable for the Cubs lineup is that it's got Kyle Schwarber in it, probably related to the fact that being at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, the AL Park, uh, the Cubs are... Uh, having to uh, have a DH. So Schwarber's DHing, batting eighth. So I have to think that that's expedited his return from his back issues, perhaps. But Kyle Schwarber is back. So there's a situation to watch uh, going in to next week uh, for Schwarber and for the Cubs. Uh, and other uh, Cubs news uh, earlier on Friday, um, there uh, was a report, initial report, that um, Addison Russell was not going to report for the Cubs today. Uh, his uh, ex-wife uh, Melissa Reedy post uh, posted something on her uh, posted details of uh, the alleged uh, abuse uh, from Addison Russell uh, on her her personal blog on Wednesday. So then, uh, early on Friday, there was that report that Russell wasn't going to report, and then later on Friday, but still obviously prior to the show. Uh, the the report that uh, Major League Baseball is placing Addison Russell on administrative leave. So that's uh, what we've got so far on that. Uh, and uh, you know the the details of the the blog post are uh, are disturbing to say the least. So uh, the Braves are going to skip Sean Newcomb's next scheduled start. So it's not clear when uh, Newcomb's going to uh, start again for the Braves, or maybe even if he's going to start again for the Braves this year. Uh, so really their rotation for next week is really up in the air, and especially with the fact that uh, 
uh, you know, the Braves have been using Tukey Toussaint for spot starts. You know, maybe he he starts on Tuesday, maybe not. Maybe it's Newcomb. I don't know. What we do know is that uh, for this weekend against the Phillies, it's going to be Tehran, Fultonevich, and Anibal Sanchez. So uh, if you were counting on Sean Newcomb this weekend, you are not going to get a start from him. Uh Trevor Cahill, he is going to make a start this weekend, so he's been out with some back issues. Uh, he is going to start Sunday against the Twins. So it's going to be Mike Fires on Saturday. That had been announced at least a couple of days back, and a bullpen game on Friday uh, against the Twins with uh, Liam Hendricks, uh, the resurgent Liam Hendricks, uh, kicking things off. Uh, but nobody there, I think, that you really could look to stream uh, for Friday. But anyways, Fires on Saturday. Cahill coming back from his back uh, issues on Sunday. Uh, and it figured it was going to be either Friday or Sunday for Cahill. So that does not disrupt the uh, what now looks to be uh, and has looked to be a two-start week coming up for Brad Anderson. Definitely going to be talking about that very shortly. Uh, Brandon Belt, he is expected to have surgery on his right knee. And according to NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, he is likely not to play again this season, uh, Brandon Belt. Michael Fulmer, uh, last we talked about him, I believe it was on Wednesday's uh, show. He was expected to undergo surgery on his right meniscus. That did happen on Thursday, so obviously he's out for the season. Uh, Not clear what his uh, status is going to be for next spring. However, according to a report from the Detroit Free Press, it sounds pretty favorable. Uh, It was not a full surgery on the meniscus, not a full repair. Uh, and a full repair recovery time is uh, three months and up. So uh, there was one uh, surgeon who estimated that it would be less than three months. But uh, that's that's all we have to go on right now. So uh, we just have to really sit and wait for a more detailed report on Michael Fulmer's status. But it does sound like at least there's a, a decent chance he'll be ready uh, for spring training next year. According to MLB.com, Wilmer Flores is out for the season. He has been diagnosed with early-onset arthritis in both knees. So uh, the end of uh, the 2018 season is now here for uh, Wilmer Flores. And um, as far as bullpen news goes, not a a big night. Well, first of all, not a big slate on Thursday. But there were two situations that really came into focus. And really the big one was the Yankees. Now, on uh, Wednesday, Raldis Chapman had been activated. Then, uh, shortly thereafter, there was a report that Aaron Boone was planning on using Chapman in at least one lower leverage type situation to work him back in uh, towards the the closer's role. But at least my interpretation of that was it was really more of a um, more of sort of a formality of you know we'll we'll just you know it's it's what managers often do you know we'll we'll get them back in get them some work. And then, you know, plug him right back in as closer. Well, the plan hit a little bit of a kink, perhaps, on uh, on Thursday night uh, because it did not go well for Aroldis Chapman. Now, he came into the game after the uh, the lead that the Yankees uh, had uh, was blown in the seventh inning by um, Chad Green and, and Dylan Batances. But then uh, with the Yankees already down, Chapman came in for the eighth. And um, he gave up that uh, Mookie Betts three-run homer, uh, just putting the Yankees even further behind. So not really an auspicious return for Aroldis Chapman. 
I don't know. If, uh, I would think it's doubtful that he gets the Yankees' next save chance. But then again, you know, Patances has not uh, really been that solid lately. Uh, Britton and, and Robertson, on the other hand, they, they've been all right. So yeah, I, I, if I had to guess, and I am going to have to guess because I haven't seen any reporting on this, uh, but if I had to guess, I would think Britton or maybe Robertson gets the next chance and and uh, Chapman gets another opportunity to show that he's he's ready for uh, for the closers role again. So uh, probably, you know, if you've got Chapman in a daily league, probably not good to plug him in just yet, I would say. And then the other situation, something that's been sort of brewing a little bit, uh, Sergio Romo. First, there was a, a very long period where he wasn't being used at all. And then um, over the weekend, actually, it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, got three saves in a row, one, two, three consecutive days, but was a little bit rocky on both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Romo gave up home runs, so he had a little bit of a a cushion to work with and and, and still managed to get the saves, but definitely not been his sharpest. And then just really uh, kind of crumbled on on Thursday against – the uh the blue jays and this was a incredible because the the rays went into the ninth inning with an eight two lead didn't even look like we were going to see sergio romo get any work and then uh jaime schultz came in and uh gave up four runs and so you needed romo to to come in and kind of stop the bleeding and uh got the blown save on uh a home run from uh lourdes Gurriel jr and then on the very next pitch, very next batter, Justin Smoke turned the tie game into a walk-off uh, loss for the Rays. Um, so I think we, you've got a Rays bullpen situation, a Rays closer situation that was very unsettled for much of the earlier part of the year. Romo sort of stable, stabilized it. And I think now for this last week plus, uh, you just avoid it. Because it's hard to imagine after this outing, preceded by a few outings where Romo was not at his best, uh, that I think you're probably going to see a committee again, even though I've seen, again, absolutely no reporting uh, on that whatsoever. So Yankees and race situations, probably ones to avoid for uh, for a couple of days at least. Okay, let's uh, head on over to the Twitter machine. And like I said, I've got a couple of questions regarding uh actually these are both really regarding the weekend so um try to get these folks uh, uh on the, the right uh, footing here for the rest of the week here so first one is uh at tb12 bb goat who should i start minor versus seattle or stripling versus san diego now I've talked quite a bit about both of these pitchers uh lately and i know i addressed the stripping stripling situation excuse me i think it was on monday's show uh because he was coming off of uh Sort of an odd start where it, he was rolling along pretty nicely, but he was on a pitch count and ran into some trouble uh, in the fourth inning, I believe it was, and 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 you know had a, an early exit. But he's got the Padres. Uh, there's you know certainly, I mean, you know, Stripling's been pretty trustworthy. Uh, so I'm actually going to suggest you go with Mike Miner here, and it's really much more about Miner than it is about Stripling. Uh, like I said, it's a good matchup for Stripling. I'm not too worried about that last start. I mean, if I've got any concern about Stripling, it's just that he might not have a particularly lengthy start. But then again, with a good matchup, maybe he manages to be very efficient and get through. But I just think there's just a little bit less risk involved with Mike Miner here, who's been so good really for about two months and the, you know, the past few weeks in particular. Uh, and I, you know, I've, I've talked about this with Miner several times, so I'm going to be repeating myself. But he's been doing well for quite a while. 
I was very skeptical initially during the the early portion of the hot streak because he wasn't getting many swings and misses. But over the last several weeks, that has changed. He is getting the swings and misses, and it's either it's either since the beginning of August or since the beginning of the second half. I can't remember which. But over one of those periods, which is at this point fairly lengthy, Mike Miner is blowing away the field in terms of soft contact. So, uh, you know, I don't find the Mariners at this point to be a, a terribly fearsome matchup. But I'm just, other than maybe against really clearly tough matchups, I'm just trusting Mike Miner right now. He's just got it all happening. So I would go Mike Miner over Ross Stripling. I think either one's a good option, though. And then finally, uh, our good friend uh, Craig in Chicago, also uh, on Twitter, better known uh, by the handle CW Sox fan. Uh, with a, not surprisingly, White Sox-related question here. For the weekend, should he start Matt Davidson or Edwin Encarnacion? Uh, and Craig's not going to like my answer, I don't think. <laughs> I think he should go with Encarnacion. And there's a little bit of risk involved in each. Uh, the risk with Encarnacion is that with the, the Indians having clinched the division, um, that there's the possibility that maybe they're going to be rotating some regulars in and out, and maybe you don't get a full three games from Encarnacion. Uh, plus, it's the Red Sox, so he's going to be facing uh, Chris Sale uh, uh, tonight. And uh, no, Hector Velasquez is the, the starter in one of them. Let's see, and then, yeah, Porcello on Saturday. So, you know, Sale maybe not going deep into the game tonight, and then you've got, Two starters that aren't too fearsome. Plus, you've got a bullpen that's just really struggling. So I think there's opportunities there for Encarnacion to have a really nice series, even if he misses a game, in fact. Uh, Whereas with Davidson, I just, you know, pound for pound, I just trust Encarnacion a lot better. And then Davidson, he's got the Cubs. And there's also the very slight chance that maybe... Uh, Jose Abreu does come back this weekend, and that cuts into Davidson's playing time potentially. I don't think there's a very good chance of that, to be honest, but it is a slight risk. Uh, but I think when you 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 know measure it all up, uh, to me, Encarnacion's a clear choice here over Matt Davidson. So thank you both for the questions. And again, uh, I'll be taking questions again on Monday, last time, I think, this year that I'll be doing that. So uh, let's uh, take a look at some of the performances from Thursday and what this might mean for players to target for next week. Uh, A few pitchers. Cody Reed. And I was a bit nervous uh, that I I started Cody Reed in three different leagues last night. Uh, He was coming off a tremendous start against the Cubs and had some peripherals that I liked. So sort of that in combination with a good start against a good team, and then pitching at Marlins Park against a not very good team, I just decided to take the chance. Uh, you know, even with uh, one team that's that was in a, a uh, playoff finals situation, and fortunately, Cody Reed came through. Uh, six innings, no runs, five hits, no walks, six strikeouts. Uh, just a great start from Cody Reed. So over the last two starts combined, that ten strikeout uh, start with the uh, at the Cubs. And then this one, the six scoreless innings, six uh, Ks against the Marlins. Those two starts combined, a 17% swinging strike strike rate for Cody Reed. Yeah, really small sample. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit on the fence about whether or not to try him again next week. He's got the Royals who have been hitting well, which feels and sounds weird, but it is true. But the Royals are not the best contact-making team. 
So I think there's an opportunity there for Cody Reed to help you with strikeouts and probably do just well enough. I would not expect a shutout from Cody Reed, you know, a five or six inning shutout necessarily. But I think you're going to get some strikeouts and probably just good enough numbers across the board to probably be worth using. Uh, but I would just say weigh your alternatives here because it's it's certainly not a risk-free uh, proposition here, not only with the Royals uh, hitting pretty well lately, but also just, you know, it's just two starts for Cody Reed. So in the final week of the season, that's putting a lot of faith in somebody based on just two starts. Jason Vargas, he's been going well a bit longer. Uh, so a string of good starts continued for him on Thursday uh, at the Nationals, went five and two-thirds, gave up two runs on just three hits, two walks with eight strikeouts. So strikeouts have uh, been coming at a good clip for uh, Vargas over his last seven starts. He's got a 311 ERA. He's got 35 strikeouts now in 37 and two-thirds innings, just 10 walks. The only really uh, big concern here for Vargas is he has given up a lot of home runs, six in just those uh, 37 and two-thirds innings, and he's got the Braves next week. So if I'm going to be uh, weighing off uh, one lefty versus the other, I think I like the situation a little better for Cody Reed than for, for Jason Vargas. The Braves worry me a bit more than the Royals do. Uh, but uh, pretty close, pretty close call there. And then one more uh, pitching performance, uh, Yanni Chirinos as a primary pitcher for the Rays, uh, just a tremendous performance, just four and two-thirds innings, but no runs and only one hit and just one walk, five Ks against the Blue Jays, and again, all for naught from the Rays' perspective because of uh, the work of uh, Jaime Schultz and uh, Sergio Romo in the final inning there. But uh, for the month of September, Chirinos, now he hit a little bit of a kind of a mid-season lull, but uh, in the month of September, Chirinos has now thrown 23 and a third innings, and that number unto itself is encouraging because this four and two-thirds inning uh, performance aside, he has been, been logging some innings in his appearances. So 23 and a third for this month, a 270 ERA, a 24% strikeout rate, that's nice, a 50% ground ball rate, coupled with a 23% soft contact rate. So basically, the whole package is there for Yanni Chirinos. And uh, over the eight starts prior to Thursday's start, he went at least five innings in all of them. So this is a bit of an aberration in terms of um, Chirinos not going a little bit deeper into games. Now, here's the thing. Uh, it's always a little bit dicey to pro- project when these primary pitchers are going to go, but they're pretty much on a a, a starter schedule uh, of every five every five days. So if that holds up for Trinos, he gets the Yankees. Not what you really want to see. Uh, but he could pitch on regular rest two times next week, Yankees and then the Blue Jays again, and that one would be at the Trop. So that would be a nice, not start, but a nice outing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, for a primary pitcher. So again, a little bit of risk there. Maybe pitches twice, maybe doesn't. The one game where he's almost certainly going to pitch is against the Yankees. Not a great matchup for him, but uh, he's he's just been really solid. So three pitchers that really are just sort of on the cusp, uh, Cody Reed, Jason Vargas, and Yanni Chirinos. So let's uh, take a look at some of the hitters that have been hot uh, that you might want to consider uh, picking up. Kristen Stewart with a two-homer game. Uh, He's been been hitting pretty well, but the power had been uh, absent, the home run power in particular. So his first two home runs of his career 
on Thursday uh, against the Royals. Uh, so good to see from Kristen Stewart and playing time, not an issue for him. Um, and I think he's at this point pretty much must start in 15 team and deeper. Nick Martini, uh, he hit his first home run uh, of the season, I think of his career on Thursday against the Angels. And of course the A's, you know, pretty much everybody in the lineup had a big game there. So I'm not going to, not going to go through the whole lineup, but going to focus on a, a couple of players who could be available in a lot of leagues. And, um, you know, have been have been hitting well. So, Martinez's first home run, a three for six game for him. That brought his batting average up to two ninety five, and his on base percentage up to three ninety one. So, pretty much that's what you want Martini for, batting average or OBP, depending on your format. But seems like a, a, a lock to provide either. And I understand at this point, chasing ratios might seem like sort of a waste of time. But if you're really really close in either of those uh, in either of those categories, Martini is somebody to consider. Uh, I will say I picked him up in Tout Wars last weekend just for that purpose, for the OBP. So uh, now, you know, coming up a week later, uh, maybe the, there's a little less uh, appeal in doing that, but still something to consider. And, um, you know, for a little bit more of a uh, well-rounded uh, potential, uh, Ramon Laureano uh, with a, a big game two for three with his 10th double of the season. And again, bearing in mind that uh, he hasn't been up with the A's for all that long. Uh, he now uh, has a slash line of 290, 366, 508. So really, I mean, okay, a bit behind Martini in terms of OBP, but still a good OBP, a good average. Now he does have a 378 BABIP. So um, there, there could be a bit of uh, last week regression coming his way. But I think the power is legit, and, and to some degree, that batting average is legit because both the power and the batting average are being backed up by a 41% hard contact rate. So I like him a lot for the power potential. Uh, probably not going to hurt you in batting average and, uh, and a bit of speed, too. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, he's got five stolen bases, uh, speaking of a bit of speed, already in the month of September to go with a couple of homers. He had a three-for-six game on Thursday against the Nationals. Uh, so for the month of September, he's just having a tremendous month. Uh, so I mentioned the two homers and five steals this month, also a 338 batting average. However, um, he has a 381 BABIP, and unlike Ramon Laureano, he is not hitting for that much hard contact, or for that matter, avoiding soft contact. So he's got a hard contact rate of 26%, which is way, way below average. So I've been skeptical about Rosario really over the last month and a half, uh, you know, when he's really started to turn it around. We are seeing a bit more power from Rosario right now, so I'm slightly less skeptical, but I'm also, I don't know, I just think of, of you know, players you could pursue. Um, I would rather have a Joey Wendell uh, for like a middle infield spot than Ahmed Rosario. I think I'd even rather have uh, Jorge Polanco. So there's some options that, that may be available out there in you know, like 12-team mixed leagues uh, that I, I think are more reliable than, than Rosario. On the other hand, Jay Bruce, I think he's uh, what he's doing is legit. Uh, he went two for four against the Nationals on Thursday. His ninth home run. He walked a couple of times. And I like the fact he's walking a ton. So while Bruce Bruce is hitting 246 in the month of September, so there's no BABIP concerns. There's no smoke and mirrors. 
He's doing what Jay Bruce does, which is hitting, you know, between 240 and 250. But he's walking a ton, so he's got a 358 on base percentage. So if you're playing an OBP league or a points league, uh, Bruce could legitimately help you there. And the power's there as well. Uh, for the month, he's got a 544 sluggy percentage. Uh, he is just going all out for power. Again, he's doing what Jay Bruce does. He's got, for the month, a 23% ground ball rate, which is hilariously low. A 56% pull rate, which is hilariously high, and a 37% hard contact rate, which is just solid. So, uh, I I certainly am much more interested than in Jay Bruce than Ahmed Rosario as far as uh, Mets go. And finally, uh, Rowdy Telez, a two-hit game for him. He homered. Uh, that's his second homer uh, since being called up. And I can't believe this. He has eight doubles already. Where'd that come from? Eight doubles already. He's got just got 39 at bats. 40 plate appearances, and Rowdy Telez has eight doubles and two homers. That's crazy. Uh, so those uh, two homers and eight doubles make up 10 of his 15 base hits that he has so far. But he has a 481 BABIP and a 28% soft contact rate. That's really high. Bear in mind, anything in the 20s is higher than you want to see, and his soft contact rate is 28%. So it's been fun for Rowdy Telez so far, but I am just not buying it uh, at all. So I would pass on Rosario and Telez, but definitely legitimately interested in Kristen Stewart, Nick Martini, Ramon Laureano, and, uh, and Jay Bruce, who all had good nights on Thursday. So let's, uh, I promised earlier in the show, I talk about two star pitchers. I put it off a bit till later on the show, but let's get to it. Uh, so first of all, not a pitcher that you're likely to pick up, maybe in like a 10-team mixed league. Uh, but pretty much this is just going to be more of a start-sit decision for people who own him. Robbie Ray, he's got the Dodgers and the Di- or, I'm sorry, the Di- Dodgers and the Padres at home. I've been a bit skeptical of him too, particularly of the uh, of the the walks hurting him. And the Dodgers are a very very bad uh, matchup for him in that regard because the Dodgers are the most patient uh, bunch of hitters in the major leagues. Uh, so you're really kind of counting on Ray actually getting that second start. And on the last week of the season, you just you just can't count on it. But uh, I would say if I were a Robbie Ray owner, and actually right now I don't have him in any leagues, uh, but if I did, I would probably just take the chance. Uh, it would obviously depend on the situation and what my alternatives were. But I, you know, I think the chances are probably pretty good he makes that Padres start. And you know, with the Dodgers... Maybe it's a situation where he clogs up the bases with some some uh, walks, but uh, you know otherwise uh, doesn't allow much damage. So I think he could be okay with the Dodgers, uh, but he's he's going to need that second start. So uh, it's not a not a total slam dunk for Robbie Ray, but I would definitely lean towards starting him. Uh, I'm going to just revisit three pitchers that I mentioned on Wednesday's show. Brett Anderson still lining up for uh, road starts at Seattle at the Angels, liked the matchups, liked his last performance. Uh, I feel pretty good about Brett Anderson. Uh, Mike Montgomery, home starts against the Pirates and the Cardinals. Uh, Again, don't love him in a one-start week uh, because he doesn't necessarily go uh, even five innings, but, uh, you know, he could go five or six in these starts. But even if he doesn't, uh, you know, the the doubling up uh, should help him have a pretty good week. And then Derek Holland, uh, love it, uh, home versus the Padres and Dodgers, especially the Padres. 
So, uh, you know, I like all these uh, two-star pitchers still. Now, I did a Twitter poll because it turns out that Brett Anderson's not only not the only Anderson to have a two-start week, but there are three Andersons uh, that are set to make two starts this coming week. And again, I'm going to post this with the caveat that I think any two-start week could be called into question uh, you know, the, at this point in the season because if it's a playoff team or playoff contender, uh, then you might just be trying to rest your pitchers, uh, you know, even if they're not necessarily going to be your, you know, number one or number two playoff pitcher. And if it's a team that's a non-contender, then maybe they're going to take an opportunity to, you know, take a look at, at somebody with next year in mind. So nobody's a totally safe uh, two-star pitcher this week. But I think all three of these uh, Andersons are about as safe as they come. So Brett Anderson, uh, you know, I think he gets the starts at Seattle at the Angels. Chase Anderson uh, has a road start at St. Louis, so a good venue there. Not a particularly great matchup, but a good venue. And then a good matchup at home against the Tigers. And then Tyler Anderson, a couple of Coors Field starts uh, versus the Phillies versus the uh, Nationals. So I know a lot of people shy away for Tyler, from Tyler Anderson at Coors Field. He seems to be back. He made some adjustments, and then sub, subsequent to making the adjustments, had two very good starts uh, in a row uh, against the Marlins and the Mets. So yeah, uh, or I'm sorry, wrong uh, wrong matchups, I think. In any event, two good starts for, because yeah, I was uh, thinking ahead, going to talk about Zach Eflin. He faced the uh, the Marlins and the Mets. But um, Anderson's had a couple of good starts in a row. Uh, so I think he's definitely, you know, should at least be in the discussion of uh, a two-star pitcher that you, you might pick up. But uh, the Twitterverse, for the most part, disagrees with me. Um, they like the, the pitcher, uh, the, the Anderson, that I like the least. Chase Anderson, who's just not been good lately, not been going deep into, into games. Uh, but 43%, nearly half, says he's the best Anderson to go with next week. Then one out of three, 33% voted for Brett, who would be my top pick, uh, just because he's got good venues, pretty good matchups, and aside from the one start in Baltimore, he's been pretty solid lately and, and consistent. Tyler Anderson, you've got the Coors effect. You've got um, you know not as consistent of a, of a, uh, a track record lately for Tyler Anderson, uh, but he got 24% of the vote. So not, you know, not, not uh, a total... Well, lack of support for him. Uh, but I would personally rank them Brett, Tyler, and Chase. But uh, the Twitter voters went Chase, Brett, and Tyler. So that was fun. All right. Uh, so, yeah, let's get to uh, – well, first of all, I should mention John Gray also could get two starts. Uh, same matchups at home versus Philly and Washington. Don't love it for Gray, though. He's not been been that good lately. Uh, but Tyler Anderson I would, would at least consider. Then uh, Zach, S- Zach Eflin – and Vince Velasquez, I just nearly merged them into one two-star pitcher. Uh, Zach Eflin and Vince Velasquez at Colorado. Oop, that's scary. And then at home versus Atlanta. So, okay, not great, ven- not good venues at all. Not great matchups. Uh, I'm just ruling Velasquez out right away because he's not been very good lately. Eflin, on the other hand, as I prematurely mentioned a moment ago, did have uh, is coming off of two good starts against the Mets and the Marlins. Just gave up one run between those two starts over eleven to third. But that said, at Colorado, I don't love it. Uh, I would 
probably pass on Eflin. But certainly, if you're talking deep, deep league and you're choosing between them, Eflin's certainly preferable to Velasquez, but I would prefer not to start either. And um, the Angels, uh, Felix Pena should be able to make two starts this coming week. They would be at home, so that's good news for Pena. Versus Texas, versus Oakland. The Oakland one's a little bit scary. Uh, and Pena's been not quite as good the last couple of times out. He was, you know, overall been pretty solid for a while now, but coming off a couple of starts where he's a lot of, uh, a little bit more hard contact. So I would actually, between Tyler Anderson and Felix Pena, I think people are going to think this is kind of crazy, but I think I actually would trust Anderson just a little bit more. Um, but again, both are, are definitely borderline calls for me. Uh, Let's see, Dylan Bundy at Boston versus Houston. No, thank you. Austin Gomber versus Milwaukee at the Cubs. I'll pass on that too. Not enough consistency lately. Dylan Covey coming off of a very good start. But if I'm reticent to start somebody because of just two good starts, I'm certainly not going to go with Dylan Covey after a very long period of not being very good at all and then having one good start. And he's got the Indians to start off the week, then finishes off at Minnesota. I'll pass on that one. And I'll also pass on uh, Sandy Alcantara at Washington at the Mets. Not very good matchups coming off of a bad start. So just to recap here in terms of some waiver options, I still like Mike Montgomery, uh, Brett Anderson, and Derek Holland the best. But I think I would toss in uh, Tyler Anderson and Felix Pena as um, options if those three are, are not available. And if you want to dig a little bit deep, deeper, uh, maybe Zach Eflin. So a little bit of a broader range of, of options than, uh, you know, than what I discussed back on Wednesday's show. So uh, anyways, I uh, wish you happy uh, waiver wire shopping this weekend. And uh, like I said, I will be back with the show on Monday to kick off the final week of the season. Unbelievable. Can't believe it's already here yet. Uh, but uh, yeah, be back on Monday show. I'll take your Twitter questions and get you ready for the week ahead. So uh, have a terrific weekend. Enjoy baseball. Enjoy your fantasy teams. And uh, have a good one, everybody. Take care. See you Monday. <laughs>